0: This morning, I'll be reading from three different passages in the New Testament, beginning with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Luke writes, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance." But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Paul writes, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things and in all times you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Hebrews chapter 12. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Russell Conwell was a Baptist minister, he was a speaker, and he was a writer around the turn of the 20th century. He's known because he was the founder and first president of Temple University in Pennsylvania. He was the pastor of Temple Baptist, and he's one of the namesakes of Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. He's also famous for an essay that he wrote, an essay that he delivered over 6,000 times during the course of his life and ministry. The essay was entitled, Acres of Diamonds. The essay begins with a parable The story of a man who wanted riches, and so he sold all of his property to go on a quest to look for diamonds. And as he went on this quest and over and over again failed in his quest to find diamonds, we learn in the parable that the man who bought his land, the man who bought his property, actually discovered a diamond mine right there in his backyard, And the point that Conwell made in the parable is this, sometimes you have to dig in your own backyard. Sometimes if you work hard enough and you dig deep enough, then God will bless you and give you everything that your heart desired. I want you to listen briefly to just a couple sentences from Conwell's essay. And I want you to listen for what's underneath what he's saying. Conwell said, I say to you that you ought to get rich. It is your duty to get rich. How many of my pious brethren would say to me, do you, a Christian minister, spend your time going up and down the country advising young people to get rich, to get money? Yes, of course I do. They say, well, isn't that awful? Why don't you preach the gospel instead of preaching about man's making money? Listen to what he says next. Because to make money honestly is to preach the gospel. The turn of the 20th century, Conwell's words would become the seed that through the course of the 20th century would blossom into what we now call the prosperity gospel. What is the prosperity gospel? Well, it's a false gospel a teaching that God wants to bless us. He wants to give us health, wealth, and prosperity. And if you are righteous, or to use Conwell's words, if you are honest, if you do the right things, if you believe the right things, then the gospel says God will bless you in this life. When we think of the prosperity gospel, you usually think of televangelists asking for money Wanting to fill their own purses to do what they want to do. But the truth is, this thought underneath what Conwell was saying, this thought that if we work hard enough, God will bless us, the truth is, that has seeped into us. Not just for televangelist types. But you see, deep down, every one of us somehow thinks that if we would live the right way, then we would live a blessed life. And so when we face pain and difficulty, when we hear news of all that is happening around the world, in Russia and Ukraine, when we hear what's happening to God's people, when we consider the pain in our own lives as Christians, we say, wait a minute, I thought I was a good Christian doing the right things, and yet I'm living a life that is not filled with prosperity, health, wealth, but I'm facing so much difficulty and strife. What does that mean God is? It makes him a liar. But see, the problem with prosperity gospel is not only is it not true to our experience, it is completely contrary to the gospel You see, the gospel, the true gospel teaches that our joy is not found in prosperity in this life. The true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, says that joy is found not in avoiding suffering, but through it. The gospel says that joy is found on the other side of sacrifice. And so this morning, as we conclude our sermon series on what it means to be stewards of God's grace, we're going to look at three different passages. We're gonna anchor ourselves in the teaching of the apostle Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians, and one of the most expansive sections of scripture on what it means to truly be a giver, what true generosity looks like, but we're also going to look at the story of a poor widow who gave all that she had. And the question we're gonna ask is how and why? Why would a woman who's subjected to poverty give the last bit that she had away? And what we're gonna find is the answer has to do with joy. The first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that God calls us to give sacrificially and I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter nine. It's the second passage that I read this morning. 2 Corinthians 9, we're really going to be focusing just on three verses this morning as our anchor, but we'll be spreading all over the Bible. So please get out the pew Bible in front of you or get out your own Bible. If you do not have a Bible this morning, that is our gift to you. We'd love for you to take it with you. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Paul says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, before we get into it, we have to understand the context. The Apostle Paul, like in all of his letters, is not just writing in a theological vacuum. He's just not writing for the sake of writing theology, but he's writing as a pastor to a particular place because of a particular concern. And Paul's concern here is this. He's wanting to encourage the Corinthian church to give sacrificially and he wants to understand the heart of what it means to truly be a giver he's asking them not just to give in general but to give particularly to the church to build up the body to further her mission we see this earlier in second corinthians 8 you can turn there if you want or just listen this is the chapter right before this one So, as Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church to give, he's also encouraging them to fulfill their role as believers in the church, to bring relief to the saints, to give to the local church and the capital C church scattered abroad. Because there are many causes and many great and worthy things that we can give to, and we should, but there is only one church. And Paul is trying to get the Corinthian church to understand their particular role to support the work and ministry and mission of the church. As our vows put it here at Park City's Presbyterian Church, to support the worship and work of the church to the best of their ability. And so it's in this context, giving to the church and to her mission, that Paul makes this statement. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. If you have an NIV translation, it puts it this way. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul is using an agricultural statement to help us understand what true generosity looks like. Simply put, what he's saying is this. You reap what you sow and taken out of context and understood through the lens of prosperity theology we might read this verse and think that he is encouraging us to give in order to receive look you're only going to get what you put into it right and so therefore give in fact Prosperity preachers have used this verse to coerce and get money out of their audience. you got to give in order to receive. But you see, Paul is not talking about us making a shrewd investment in order to make sure we get some kind of material return. No, Paul is calling us to be sacrificial stewards of something that God has already given. The word that he's using here in verse 6, ESV translates it bountifully, and translates it generously. It's the same word for the word blessing, the word eulogia. It's the same word that we looked at a month ago when we looked at Ephesians chapter 1. The exact same word Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What's the point? God has blessed us out of his grace. Period. Period. And that blessing has become from the, since before the foundation of the world. He has lavished us with grace. He's not calling us to make an investment of our own resources so that he would bless us in return. He's already blessed us. And for all those who have received the blessings of his grace in Christ Jesus, he has now called us to be sacrificial stewards. What does that look like? What does it look like? to be entrusted to all that he has blessed us with, and to give sacrificially. Well, The Gospel of Luke tells the story of a woman, a widow who is poor. And as I read Luke's account of this woman, I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Luke 21 tells us that Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor woman, uh, a poor widow, put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but out of her poverty, she put in all that she had to live on. When you and I hear the word generosity, and we hear Paul's encouragement to sow generously, I think we typically think of giving, serving out of our abundance, as Jesus puts it here in the Gospel of Luke. We first think of all that we have to do, all the responsibilities that we've given ourselves or others have put on us. We look at all that's before us in our life and we address that first. And then anything that's left over Anything that we have in abundance, well, then that's up for grabs. And, and maybe we'll, we'll decide what to do with it. And you see Jesus' point here. He's looking at all of the rich, all of the wealthy people, as they bring their gifts into the offering box, they're giving out of their abundance. But here's a woman who on that day likely gave the, the, the smallest amount, Just two small copper coins. Nothing in comparison monetarily to what the rich gave. But Jesus says she actually gave more than all of them. Why? Because she didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her poverty. She had nothing. And the nothing that she had, she gave away. That is what it looks like to give sacrificially. And the question for you and I this morning is, how could she do that? Why would she do that? And maybe the real question in the back of your mind is, is that what we're supposed to do too? The second thing I want you to know, as much as God calls us to give sacrificially, he also calls us to give joyfully. I not you look with me again, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Paul goes on, he says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so I want you to go back to that question. Maybe it's the question in the back of your mind. It's certainly been in the back of my mind as I read this passage this week. As we hear the story of this poor widow, we must ask, what is God calling me to give? Are we supposed to live like that. Now to answer that question, how much should we give, in the Old Testament was known as the tithe, 10%. Old Testament law talked about giving your first fruits as a tithe, your most healthy livestock. We see this in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27, verse 30, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. And every tithe of the herds and flocks and every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So the idea was this. the Old Testament people of God were called to give 10%. 10% of all that is given them they were supposed to give to the Lord. And so the idea has then passed into the New Testament, the idea of a tithe. Now while I think the idea of giving 10% is a great benchmark for us as New Testament Christians... Paul gives a different answer. I want you to look with me. How much should we give? Look at verse 7. Paul's answer is as simple and clear as it is deeply complicated for sinners like you and me. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. So let me ask you a question this morning. What is harder for you? to give 10% or to offer your whole heart to God and say, take it, take all of me and do with me what you will, what's harder. You see, because when we talk about being stewards of grace, we're talking about much more than money. It includes money. And certainly for us who live in great prosperity, it absolutely includes money, but it goes beyond money. It's every part of us. Every gift that you have received, every talent that you possess, every way that he has gifted you and called you and put you in positions of power and influence, every amount of time in your schedule And yes, every resource that you possess, when is the last time that you went before the Lord and said, it's all yours? You gave it to me anyways. And so what do you want me to do with it? That is a bold and radical prayer. And that's what the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to do. Everyone must give as he has decided in his heart. Notice what he says next not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because you feel like you have to or because out of some legalistic sense and certainly not because if you give, you're going to receive tenfold in abundance. No. Notice what Paul says. For God loves a cheerful giver. How on earth could this poor widow give the last two coins that she had in her possession joy the answer is joy you see because her joy was not in the things of this world but her joy was in the kingdom of God to come you see there's something about being stewards and about giving giving our time our talent our treasure giving all of it There's something about the idea of being generous and sacrificial that exposes where our true joys lie. So I'm going to ask you another question. Where is your joy? Where do you find the greatest joy? Those things in your life that you find hardest to give, hardest to sacrifice, hardest to be generous with, are likely those things that you find joy in. And sometimes they could be good things, graces, even blessings from God. But to be a steward is to recognize that it doesn't belong to you because he gave it to you, to steward. So the third and final thing. I want you to know that God calls us to give because he has already given us everything. Verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Notice what Paul says. He says, God is able to make all grace, not some grace, but all of it, all grace abound to you. In other words, it's overflowing to you. It's been lavished upon you. Why? So you may now abound in every good work. Notice the order. It's not abound in every good work and therefore God will bless you. You see, because ultimately at its core, the prosperity gospel is about works righteousness. It's about earning. It's about making the gospel into a transaction. But the true gospel says God has given you everything in Christ so that you would now abound in every good work. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him, that we should walk in them. Your life is not your own if you are a Christian. You have been bought with a price. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're probably asking, Well, why would I want that? Why would I want to give up everything for this thing that you're calling the gospel? Why would I want to give it all away like this widow? Isn't it better to hold on to it? The answer is about joy. He has created us for good works that we might walk in them. Why? For joy. For joy this uh, last President's Day, I don't know what you were doing, or what president you were celebrating, we all celebrate presidents on President's Day, right? My family went to Fort Worth, and, and no offense for those of you who live close to Fort Worth, but for us, it's like vacation to us, right? So we went to Fort Worth, just to kind of get away from Dallas, and the hustle and bustle, and, and we stayed in a hotel, and, and we had a great time, and it was actually on President's Day, if you remember, it was, it was actually warm, to the point where we actually could swim in a pool, What's hilarious is two days later, I think ice came. So welcome to Texas, right? But there we were swimming in a pool, and one of my daughters found 30 bucks cash floating in the water. So there's $30, it was a 20 and a 10. And so she brings it to us and says, look at this, this is awesome. What should we do with it? Imagine if you found $30. What would you do with it? You can do a lot with $30. Well, first we told her, hey, there's a man swimming over there. You should probably ask him if it's his. So she did. It wasn't his. So then she came back. What do we do with it? Well, we decided as a family that we should give it away. It wasn't ours to begin with. It's not really ours now. So let's give it to the hotel staff. But immediately, can you imagine what went through all of our minds? Tension. Well, I just found it. (laughs) I can do a lot with it. Oh, but it wasn't really ours. Oh, it's going to be hard to give it away. Now, I want you to think much bigger than $30. I want you to think about everything that you possess, every part of your life. And I want you to ask the question, is it really yours? Or did really you just come upon it? In the same way that we happen to find $30. You see, could it be that God has gifted you everything, made grace abound to you and in all ways so that you would be all sufficient in all things at all times? Why? So that you may abound in every good work. If you are a Christian this morning, you have received everything in Christ Jesus you see because earlier in 2 Corinthians the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus though he was rich became poor so that we in our poverty might become rich what's he talking about he's not talking about money But the Apostle Paul is reminding us that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, took on the poverty of our sin, the poverty of our flesh, and he lived among us. He was born into poverty and humility in a manger, raised by a carpenter, and he was sacrificial in sacrificing himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? So that you and I might receive the lavish blessings of his grace. And so the question that you and I have to ask is how is he calling you to steward that grace, to offer everything that he's given already to you back to him and say, God, what do you want with it? what do you want with me for some of you that does mean that you need to think about your resources your finances your money because jesus said where your treasure is there your heart will be also but for others of you it's not money that's hard to give it's time so busy our schedules so full and we think they belong to us Still others of you live a bifurcated life that's who you are on Sundays and who you are in the other six days of the week. What is it in your life that God is calling you to steward? God is calling you, just like the poor widow, to offer everything that he might use them to extend his kingdom and to further the cause of the gospel all over the world. Why? The answer is joy. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Why did Jesus sacrifice everything on the cross for you and me? For the joy that was set before him, the joy of salvation the joy of the resurrection and the future joy that will come when he comes again to make all things new. Why is he calling us now to be stewards of his grace? Joy. For the joy that is set before us, he has called us to sacrifice everything in this life for the future joy that we have in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that um, Paul's challenge to us this morning, to ask you with open hearts, to search us and to tell us what it looks like to be good stewards, we know, in many ways, is a scary thing. As those who are prone to legalism, it seems almost easier to just tell us what to do and we'll do it. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir in us as your people, as your church, and even as a church family. As we look around this morning, we know that you have gifted us and blessed us in so many ways. And so we pray that we would not hoard these blessings to ourselves, but that you would make us good stewards of your grace, not that we might receive monetary prosperity, but that we might inherit the kingdom of God. We pray now that as we go from this place, that you would help us live that stewardship out, not just on a Sunday morning, but seven days a week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.